from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Yeah, just an exciting day again. Uh, Mid-year outlook is is out. Really proud of it, proud of the work of the team. I think I've done about two dozen of these at LPL over the years now, and uh, everyone's still exciting. I, I think folks, if they try to communicate this to other people, will will find it really fits nicely because, uh, you know, when you pick up speed, that's great because the speed's exhilarating, but it can also be dangerous, right? And so we want to keep in mind that uh, if this economy grows too fast, there is the potential for a little bit of overheating. Jeff, it's a very, very special Market Signals podcast this week. We released our mid-year outlook for 2021. Um, You think we're going to get into it here in the next 30 minutes or so. What's the one thing that surprised you the most this year, Jeff, that you just didn't see coming? What's the curveball? Like this question you didn't see coming. What's the curveball you think that got you this year? Wow. I mean, just how how fast the economy reopened, right? And how quickly people got out there and, you know, effectively resumed their normal lives. Mm-hmm. That, of course, is related to uh, why the uh, earnings have been so strong and why stock market's been so strong. So I think in terms of at least economy and markets, uh, that that has to be it. How about you? Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with you. You know, we titled again on the YouTube channel, we're sharing it. We titled it uh, the mid-year outlook 2021 picking up speed. <laughs> and that is the truth, right? At the time we're recording this S and P's up maybe ballpark 15, 16% for the year. Um, just some significant gains. I think one of the bigger surprises for me as a uh, Cincinnati Reds fan, long-suffering Cincinnati Reds fan. You could argue the Reds are one of the hottest teams in baseball the last five or six weeks. So that that surprises me the most. But I'm with you. I think the big surprise is clearly when we, you know, what would we call our outlook six, seven months ago, right? Powering forward. That's what we called it. And we said, there's no other way to go. You have to go forward. We've been through a horrible year. But there are some positives that are out there. And now we're calling this picking up speed is our mid-year outlook because, again, that's exactly what um, what's happening when you look at the economy and the stock market specifically, those two areas. Um, you know, something else, maybe it shouldn't be as a surprise to me because of our outlook, but one other thing that got me was just how bad bonds have done this year. right? If you followed us, we said stocks would do a lot better than bonds in 2021. Bonds have had Jeff, you know, one of their, they their, like their worst first quarter ever, one of their worst first halves ever. We're going to talk more about bonds, but even though that was, um, I guess, kind of what we were saying, I think it's still a little surprised to me just how how rough uh, rough the year has been been for uh, fixed income. But we'll talk more about that, Jeff. Um, so let's see. So Jeff, before we do that, let's go a little personal. July fourth did just happen. Um, to show show on the YouTube channel all ten fingers. Let's just see them. You got them. Got them all. Yep. All right. Good. So you survived the uh, July 4th holiday. You guys do anything for July 4th that was special? How'd it go? Well, we had just spent a week at uh, the Cape, you know, which is why you guys haven't heard from me in a while. So frankly, July 4th was just recovering, right? You know, sometimes after vacation, you need a vacation. Uh, So we didn't, uh, you know, go see a fireworks show or anything like that. It was really just kind of resting and recovering. How about you? Yeah, that's great. No, we, we had a good July 4th also just hung out down here in TGK, South Carolina, literally right before we started this podcast. I'm texting my golf cart guys. Everybody has golf carts around here. And long story short, my golf carts had issues when it hits like a really sharp hill, like, um, you know, 45 degrees or more hill. For whatever reason, it just turns off. <laughs> now, I've paid a lot of money for a bunch of new batteries. I was told that's the issue. I was like, okay, good. 
see where this is going. On July 4th, we've got like 20 golf carts behind us. Everyone's leaving the golf course at the same time after the fireworks. We're on this little path. And all of a sudden, my golf cart just stops on the hill. We cannot get it to move. We're trying to push it, try to put it in neutral. Nothing works. My buddy Jason, he listens to this podcast. He's right behind me. <laughs> I put my golf cart in park. It goes backwards and smashed into the back of his golf cart. It was a, uh, it was pretty stressful. There were some fireworks after the fireworks, but eventually it just started to work. I have no idea how or why, but thank goodness we had a lot of upset people behind us when we get off that golf cart or golf course. But um, anyway, we'll see. But I'm kind of a little upset. I spent a lot of money on new batteries, and I don't think that was the issue the whole time. So it's just kind of how it goes. But nonetheless, I've got all 10 fingers, and we had a, we had a good time. So, Jeff, with, with that out of the way, let's uh, let's dive into the mid-year outlook 2021 picking up speed. Um, you know, I kind of laid the groundwork already. I think just the idea that, you know, fiscal policy, monetary policy, the reopening, the vaccine – you pick your poison, if you will. All of these things combined are creating what's likely going to be one of the best years for economic growth that we've seen, at least since the early 80s. And there's a chance since before then. I mean, Jeff, along the lines of picking up speed, you want to build on anything that I just kind of laid out just for the kind of related groundwork before we start digging into uh, the economy, policy, stocks and bonds? Yeah, well, we'll show the forecasts uh, in a bit. But I think if there's one forecast that we've got right now that's going to be a little bit light, it could be the GDP forecast, right? The U.S. Right. economy uh, could potentially grow north of 7% this year, which would make it, I believe, the best economic growth year since the early 1980s. So, um, you know, there is certainly upside to what is already a really strong uh, expectation for, uh, for economic growth. Yeah, I'm going by memory here. So guys, uh, don't get too mad if I'm off, but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. I think uh, 84 is like 7.2 or 7.3% GDP. So that's a little bit above, a little above seven. If we can top that, which is a chance we can, uh, then it would be the best year since the early 1950s for GDP. But as I always like to point out, full disclaimer, Last year, GDP was down 3.5%, which was the worst year since the Great Depression. So it's nice that we're bouncing back, believe me. But again, it's all kind of relative here. We had a really, really big drop, obviously, last year in the midst of the pandemic. So, Jeff, let's get into it. The four, I guess we call it kind of the four pillars of LPL research. We're going to talk about the economy. I'm going to talk about policy, then finish up with stocks and bonds. So the economy, uh, we call it speeding ahead. And by the way, um, so we will share in the show notes today a link to our Outlook, which again was just released Tuesday morning. We said we wanted to release at 8.30. I think it was live at like 8.31. So I'm going to call that a major victory. Um, lots of moving parts, lots of cooperation inside LPL and with our marketing uh, Marcom team. Um, you know, obviously a lot of work with compliance. Um, just, just so many different teams have put this together with endless Oh, we say, Jeff, we should keep track of how many hours this thing takes because it is it's a lot, <laughs> but we're really, really proud of it. Um, you can go to LPLresearch.com on Tuesday's blog. We're going to have a link to the um, outlook there as well. There's lots of different collateral that we're doing for our advisors, from special webinars to a PowerPoint presentation, to an executive summary, to a printer friendly version, to the regular version, to um, a couple special calls. What else am I missing, Jeff? There might be there might be some more things. There's there's lots of ways that we're leveraging this mid-year outlook, and we're really proud of it. Did I miss anything? Client letter, client letter right is that that's everything i think i think you got it covered lpl.com will have the the report to the interactive version is really cool right this you know a lot of the images move 
it, it's it's neat. So I would recommend uh, folks uh, check out that via LPL.com. That's true. I don't know if that's quite live, the time you and I are recording it. By the time people listen to this, you can go to LPL.com and just scroll down right on the main page, and you'll see that link. And you can, again, find the interactive version. It's really cool. It's got, like, race cars, right? It's got some race cars moving and the engines and the wheels vibrating a little bit, and, and it, it, like, comes to life. It's um, I, I don't know. I've never seen too many other uh, research shops that do a um, – a uh, outlook like this. It's it's really, really cool. So with uh, that <laughs> out of the way, we say the economy is speeding ahead. And uh, Jeff, I'll kind of talk a little bit about the economy, I guess, maybe a few policy, I, I guess. I don't know. We, we can wing. We, we always wing this. You can jump in if you want. Um, but, you know, the overall, again, I, we kind of hinted at this already. We see um, the United States growing between six and a quarter and 6.75%. Like you just said, Jeff, one of the things maybe will be wrong, you could say. Uh, maybe the economy does a little bit better than that. Again, dropped three and a half percent last year. Um, what's fascinating to, to us and to me and to all of us is at the start of the year, we were looking for uh, United States growth, maybe 4%, a little bit less. If you look all around the globe, the majority of the, I mean, yes, the world's been improving this year, but it seems like the United States has been doing a lot better the first six or seven months this year relative to everyone else. Jeff, you want to build a little bit on that? Yeah, this is an unusual year in many ways, right? Last year certainly was. But, you know, and looking at just GDP growth across the world, what's unusual is that the U.S. is is leading the globe, right? Outgrowing the emerging markets. Probably not China, but emerging markets overall, which is really impressive. And then th this is more of a disappointment um, maybe than a surprise, but you know, Europe and Japan, which make up developed international, uh, the expectations for economic growth there haven't really changed. So while the US expectations have been ratcheting higher, really Europe and Japan have, have stagnated to some extent. And uh, we haven't changed those forecasts in, in quite some time, you know, there's there's better growth ahead when they get past the pandemic over there. But right now, uh, frankly, uh, their growth picture is is pretty muted. Yeah, I think that's the key thing, right? We know the playbook, right? You get enough shots in people's arms, confidence comes back, the growth will come, and maybe it's more of a 2022 story uh, as we look at Europe and Japan. Uh, with, by the way, the Olympics are right around the corner, right? We got the Olympics coming up here. And I do, I was going to maybe chime in. Uh, one other thing I just thought of, like what, what uh, surprises us, what doesn't surprise us, what doesn't surprise me is the curse of Ryan is very strong. You guys remember one of the more recent podcasts? I said, oh, I'll take the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA uh, to win the NBA championship when there are only four teams left. Like clockwork, I jinxed the Hawks and they lost. So my um, unbelievable, I guess, ability to pick a team that will not win when there's only a couple teams left and they've got a legit chance. I have an ability to pick that team. So if I pick your team later in the year, I apologize. Um, but one of these days I'll be right, I guess. A clock's right. Well, a broken clock's right twice a day, right? So anyway, enough about that. So uh, the emerging markets this year, we see growing between five and a half. Uh, to six percent developed XUS uh, between three and a quarter to four twenty-five, and then the globe between five and a half and six percent. Like Jeff just said, the big cog in leadership and in growth is, you know, somewhat surprisingly, I guess you could say, from where we were sitting six or seven months ago, the United States. Again, we forecast between six and a quarter and six point seven five percent GDP growth when all is said and done. Jeff, you think we're going to hit ten percent GDP in the second quarter? I know it's like high nines, but that's not that far away. You think we can do that in the second quarter? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, do a little bit better than that. I mean, as I said that, you know, people are nervous about the Delta variant, understandably so. But based on what I'm seeing in all of the economic data, 
and in just observing the world around me, right? When I'm outside the house, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if, if this economy grows 10. Yeah, if things are things are crowded out there, just in the office, right? Just at the LPL office in Fort Mill. Um, I was consistently going to the office for the past year, but it was it was quiet. Well, I guess we'll say it's not so quiet anymore. I'm walking around seeing people, and I mean, literally yesterday, I guess I'll say this amongst friends. I saw a couple of people. Hey, Ryan. I go, hey, it's been like a year and a half. I kind of forget some people's names, so I need to go in like the directory and start remembering a lot of people who work in that office because I remember the face. I just haven't talked to them in a really, really long time. But that's still really exciting that you know. LPL just our little bubble, but we clearly are starting to open up with a lot of other places. So, Jeff, we've talked about this concept before, but you know, I think it's really important now. The idea that this is a young economic cycle of growth. I mean, I know it doesn't maybe feel like it because we just had this 10-year expansion and a vicious recession that lasted probably between three to five months approximately. We don't have the official data yet. But I want to point out the fact that the average expansion is about 5.3 years, going back to World War II. This one is probably about a year old. So something we're trying to really stress to our more than 18,000 advisors and the millions of clients that they serve is the idea that, hey, we could have potentially several years left of economic growth. And what do you usually get when you have economic growth? You usually get higher stock prices as well, right? It's during recessions and bad times, you don't get such a strong price performance. So the idea that, hey, maybe we can be just average, right? We don't think we're probably gonna get a 10 year cycle of growth because the truth is this, this wasn't your average recession, all right? I, I joke, I used to travel around and go on planes and talk to people face to face. Now I just talk in a room by myself all day to three or 400 people on Zoom. But it did, it's not like LPL slowed down. Now, believe me, we're aware that other industries didn't slow down. In fact, we accelerated in a lot of cases. A lot of industries were absolutely hit by this. We're fully aware of that. Fortunately, a lot of them are opening back up. But it wasn't your average recession. So you probably don't have like some super abnormal um, expansion. But we think, you know, three, four, five years of economic growth here makes um, makes some sense to us, uh, Jeff. You, you, what do you, what do you think? Do you, five years makes sense to you? I know this is, we're, we're, this is so silly to even almost predict this. To be honest, because who, who knows, you know. But but uh, it, it seems like once this boat starts, once this ship starts moving, you you can really keep going as long as you avoid the hundred year pandemic that kind of messed us up last time. Yeah, the way that economic expansions typically end is because they they overheat, right? It's kind of right. why we we like the outlook theme of picking up speed. Well, if you go too fast, you know, your car could overheat, you could crash, right? So, you know, the question is when will this economy overheat, right? When will we inflate enough that the Federal Reserve has to deflate, right? And so that's probably several years away. So sure, I'm in the 5% or five year camp, um, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, the key is this inflation surge that we're seeing now does have to be temporary because if the Fed has to come in and aggressively slam on the brakes, you know, you could potentially have something shorter than five years. Yeah, no doubt. We've talked a lot about inflation, literally, I don't know, an hour or so before, Jeff, you know, you and I started recording this, we saw CPI data for June, came in really hot again, right? And again, stock market, at least initially, is taking it in stride. But again, we see a couple more months of this continued um, higher, hotter than expected inflation. That could, could bring some of those worries. But at least for now, we're going to talk about the Fed a lot here um, in a little bit when we talk about policy. But the Fed is absolutely still a backstop. And I, I know when we mentioned our forecast for GDP at LPL Research, we've actually upgraded our forecast um, twice so far this year already on GDP. Again, as the economy continues to improve and things continue to go faster, if you will, like the John Maynard Keynes quote, you know, it's something along the lines of, you know, when the facts change, I change my mind, sir. What do you do? 
you know, it's like, well, you upgraded. Yeah, we upgraded our fuse because things are getting better, you know. So that's uh, that's a uh, stewards of assets, and that's uh, that's our job, and that's uh, what we're seeing. And who knows, third time might be a charm. Might have one more GDP increase here before the year's over. Uh, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. dollar. Uh, the tr twin deficits create structural pressure on the U.S. dollar. You, you've got things like um, the current account deficit and the and the budget deficit. You know, we get it. Massive spending, massive deficits. Historically, those types of things should pressure the U.S. dollar. Now, maybe you know, honestly, think about one of the things that surprises me this year. Maybe it is some of the strength in the dollar. That's not like dollar's been super strong. Hadn't been super weak either, but still our big picture view is structurally the next six to 12, maybe even further out. The U.S. dollar likely will continue to uh, to trend lower because of those deficits. Um, what are some other reasons, Jeff, you think maybe the dollar um, potentially trends lower over the coming six to 12 months? Well, here's the the Fed again, right? Mm -hmm. If the Fed is, is going to keep interest rates locked at zero for two more years, which is certainly possible, or certainly something close to two more years, then um, you know between now and then we could see dollar down, right? Dollar, dollar tends to uh, be weaker as U.S. interest rates are low. Um, now you know market interest rates are a little bit different than what the Fed uh, is doing, right? The Fed controls short-term interest rates, so you got to follow that dynamic. But I think if the Fed is still easy and kind of follows this plan, which is probably you know taper their bond purchase program later this year or early 2022, right? And then maybe wait a year, and then start hiking rates after that, uh, that should be uh, dollar negative. Yeah, you know, I, I love looking at market cycles. And again, there's lots of things we, we look at. But just, you know, broadly speaking, the US dollar had a major peak in 1985. 16 years later, had a major peak in 2001. 16 years later, had a major peak in 2017. Look at those, what Mark Twain say, right? History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. After those peaks in 85 and 2001, you saw a weak U.S. dollar anywhere between six to eight years, give or take. So we had a major peak in 2017. If you have another six to eight years of a, a potentially lower dollar, we we absolutely just from a, um, a cycles point of view, you could have a lower dollar along with these fundamental uh, reasons for U.S. dollar. Now, Jeff, the one thing I guess it's in the back of my head and a lot of other people's uh, historically, a weak U.S. dollar is more inflationary. So we're talking about, you know, we think the dollar goes lower. And there's some benefits to that. I mean, you know, lower dollar, you make more money when you sell overseas for S&P 500 companies. Historically, lower dollars, more of a tailwind for equities, to be honest. Um, so when we've had those dollar surges the last five, six years when stocks haven't done as well. But a lower dollar is inflationary. I mean, if, wrap my head around, what's, uh, what's all that mean? Yeah, it, you know, it increases the costs of, of imports into the U.S. So sure that that... Makes sense that that's inflationary, but it really has to move a lot. I would say to be um, uh, problematic. The the bigger components of inflation, you know, wages are the by far the biggest, right? I think that's really what what matters. And then you can follow housing certainly matters more. Rents certainly matters more. Um, commodity inputs matters more. So um, you know, it's something to consider, but really not the primary driver of inflation. Uh, absolutely. So maybe let's go forward. So we did the economy. Now we're going to move to policy. And Jeff, I'll maybe let you talk a little bit more about policy and I'll chime in on this one. Uh, we did title it Taking a Back Seat. Obviously, our whole theme is about picking up speed and having a car. So it's a playful way of you know, explaining taking a back seat. But Jeff, what do we mean when we say that? Yeah, I mean, the last uh, 16 months have been all about COVID and the response by policymakers to support the economy. Uh, during the pandemic, right? Well, 
we're moving past that into a, a new period uh, where the economy is going to have to have new drivers. It's not going to be about the government putting in place stimulus packages again, right? We'll get some more infrastructure spending, most likely, but we all know about that. Uh, the um, the private sector is going to have to really take the lead and drive this next leg of growth. And that's certainly happening right now, no doubt. Absolutely. You think about it, we've had $5 trillion, five, that's a lot of money, $5 trillion worth of fiscal stimulus so far with likely another trillion, $2 trillion. I, I guess we'll see where we land uh, with the infrastructure, um, uh, human infrastructure and infrastructure plans uh, that are likely going to take place. Uh, Jeff, one of the top questions though, that we've received um, really, honestly, since the election, I guess you could say, well, the top question is what about inflation? What about all of the spending, right? All the deficits. Those are the top questions we tend to receive. But another one is, hey, what about higher taxes? And Joe Biden ran on higher taxes. I remember that day, oh, maybe two months ago, where a report came out, you know, taxes are going to go up and every, and the stock market sold off. We're like, how are you surprised? He, President Biden ran on this. But anyway, enough about that. Um, you know, historically, Stocks seem to do okay. And on the YouTube channel, we're sharing this. We have talked about this concept before. But Jeff, tell me a little bit about what happens after corporate taxes increase historically. Yeah, you know, the markets uh, handle higher corporate tax increases pretty well. And I think what you see um, is the economic cycle matters more, right? You know, for those of you watching, on the, you can see them uh, on the screen. When, um, you know, I mean, I don't know too much about what was going on past World War II in 1950, 1951, other than the rebuild of the U.S. economy. But, um, you know, certainly the war and the rebuild was more important than tax rates, right? And uh, if you fast forward to the more recent uh, period, you see, you know, a little bit less strong equity markets around these corporate tax hikes, but still gains, right? You know, you've got over the next 12 months, 4% on average gain, gained 62% of the time over these periods. We haven't seen a lot of these very small sample size, right? Tax rates have been going down over the last several decades, not up. But when we have had these uh, stocks uh, in general have done uh, uh, fairly well, except again, when you were in the middle of World War II. No, absolutely. Um, you know, just, just looking at it, I, it's shocking to me a little bit. You know, in 1968, the new uh, corporate tax rate was 52.8%. It's uh, obviously much higher than where we are now, and that's why you know we've had seen lower taxes really consistently since the late '60s, and you know potentially it's one of the first times we're going to see a pretty big jump in at least corporate taxes. But again, I think like you said, the key concept this is early, like we talked about earlier. This is early in an economic cycle of growth. We still have a, an accommodative Fed, and 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 the growth is coming, so we're not ignoring it. But at the same time, a lot of people have been talking about higher taxes for a while. And literally, I think, you know, I forget, oh, I forget the exact number, but the S&P is close to, I think, 40 all-time highs this year. You know, I mean, we clearly continue up 16% for the year. So it's taking things in stride. Um, you know, along those lines, Jeff, this is kind of 2.0 to this, higher capital gains taxes. Now, again, not a super uh, high sample size, but we do have more, I guess, a couple of different examples of it. Um, tell me a little bit about higher capital gains taxes. Yeah, this is the same point here, right? Um, the you know, capital gains tax increases in, in 69 and 76, the economy was certainly much weaker, not in as good a position to handle those higher taxes. And so stocks were weak. But the last two, um, 86 and 2013, markets uh, and economy were in, 
in good shape and, and were able to uh, offset the impact of, of capital gains tax increases. So you'll probably have some people, you know, taking gains early and, and moving some things around. But in general, uh, we do not think uh, this is a reason to sell stocks. You might get a little bit of volatility, could potentially introduce an opportunity to, to buy a dip in the second half. By the way, these probably won't come in until 2022, uh, and they're most likely going to only impact the highest high-income folks. So probably not going to have a ton of impact, um, but um, certainly something that could could cause some some bumpiness later this year. And speaking about bumpiness, just kind of another surprise, I guess, for me is we haven't seen a 5% correction in the S&P since October. We're going to talk about stocks next here, um, but that, that that's surprising. We've been bullish. We expect higher prices, but even then, that's a long time to go without a, so much as a 5% correction. But one year after the 86 corporate um, or one year after the um, 86 capital gains tax increase, uh, we got up 9%. And then one year after the 2013 uh, capital gains tax increase, we've got the S&P up 25%. So again, those are times of early in an economic cycle of growth and accommodative feds, similarities with some of the things that we are we are seeing um, seeing now. So with that, um, actually, let's let's leave here just for a second, Jeff. I guess let's talk policy. We're going to finish up with policy about the Fed. Um, you know, the Fed, I joke, Jerome Powell is on 60 Minutes every two months. It's not your father's Fed. He's very, very upright and, and um, clear into what he's seeing and what, they're, what, what he thinks is happening. Um, you kind of already hinted about the Fed, but just maybe put a bow tie on it. What do we see from the Fed going on the rest of this year? Yeah, so I laid out the timetable. I think generally we're in line with consensus in terms of our expectations for uh, the Fed tapering bond purchases maybe in six to eight months, uh, and then um, moving on about a year later to, to hike rates. Certainly there's a lot of time between now and then, so uh, that situation could change. But I mean, really, if you look at what could drive a correction, I know we're not to the stock section yet, but um, the, uh, I mean, inflation, which is tied to the Fed and interest rates, is probably top on the list, right? And so as long as the market sees that inflation is temporary and we start to get cooler inflation numbers in the fall, then we should be fine. The Fed should be able to stick with its timetable. However, if we get more sticky inflation, stubbornly high inflation that maybe proves not temporary, um, then you're potentially in a situation where the Fed moves up its timetable and spooks markets. So that's going to be um, something that markets are going to be really focused on in the second half. Absolutely. And we're going to be watching it daily, I guess, is one way to put it. All the different Fed Fed voting members and non-voting members and then Jerome Powell, he presents a lot of different places. So we're going to be watching those uh, very closely for some potential uh, clues and signs as to when that could happen. But Jeff, let's go forward. Kind of, I think, you know, probably the stuff that most people, most listeners want to hear about. And by the way, thanks for all the listeners out there. Um, we've, we've hit some big, pretty big numbers on the YouTube channel and continued listenership. So thank you. If you like this podcast, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a positive review. It really helps those I don't understand it, <laughs> but so I've heard it helps those algorithms with uh, searches and things like that. So, so thanks again, everybody keeps listening to it. Uh, so stocks, we called it gaining ground. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I mean, they, they, stocks have gained ground in a, in a, in a big way. Um, you know, Jeff, you know, again, the first half of this year has been really, really strong. I'll do one thing. I'm going to hand it over to you. So this is uh, something that we, I just added for the podcast. Honestly, this isn't in technically what we wrote for our mid-year outlook, but we just had a five-month win streak. All right. 
on the S&P 500. That's, that, there's been 26 of those since World War II. So, not, you know, decent amount. Or like, I'm sorry, since 1950. Five-month win streaks. Um, now, again, sometimes some of those five-month win streaks are all real small, or sometimes they're, they're huge gains. But the truth is, that's some pretty persistent buying, all right? And I've talked about this multiple times the five years I've been with LPL Research, where we've had a couple different five-month uh, five win streaks. And I've said, listen, that's usually a sign of higher prices. And here's what I want to point out. Um, I did write a blog on this just last week on lplresearch.com. I think I titled it, We're Going Streaking. And yes, it was a shameless plug for Frank the Tank from old school when he screamed, we're going streaking. A little, little different, um, but with the five-month win streak, <coughs> I get choked up just talking about Frank the Tank, apparently. <coughs> you see, Jeff, the S&P 500 up 25 out of 26 times one year later. All right, and the average returns up over 12, almost 13% on average. So again, it's kind of one of those, it is what it is. Don't blindly invest just because we're five months ago. Lots of other stuff to pay attention to. But I think it's just a real key concept that a lot of this, we call this market signals, right? You guys have been listening to this hopefully for a while. I've listed a ton of these types of market signals we saw off the lows. And I mean, I'm throwing out a number here, but 99% of them were like, this is bullish, okay? I mean, the, the strength we saw at those lows was consistently bullish and it consistently the signs of a new bull market with continued strength. Very rarely were the numbers and statistics we talked about on this um, podcast last March, April, May, June bearish because the signals continue to be bullish. This is another signal that suggests continued strength, continued, if there's any, if there's ever a dip, buy that dip, but a real, real fascinating number when you got 25 out of 26 times higher a year later after a five-month win streak. All right, Jeff, I'm off my soapbox now. Um, tell me, what were our forecasts on the S&P 500 here and kind of earnings? Yeah, so, you know, first um, on uh, earnings, you mentioned, Ryan, that we've raised our economic growth forecast a few times this year. Well, we've done the same with earnings. And, uh, in fact, uh, we started in the 2021 outlook in November of last year with a forecast of 165. That just puts into perspective how powerful this earnings rebound has been. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say, like I said, for GDP, I wouldn't say 195 is low. But I would just point out that that is significantly higher than what we and virtually every strategist out there were thinking at the start of the year. So add that to the uh, list of surprises. Right, um, you know, from from the start of the year, no doubt, is that strong earnings number. That's a 36% earnings increase from 2020, and we don't think the strength stops there. Um, probably even with a corporate tax hike, we think we can grow earnings another maybe double-digit percentage in 2022. So, really strong uh, earnings trajectory, and that supports stocks. Uh, we think now, when we when we wrote the outlook, the S&P 500 wasn't quite as high as it is right now. So we fully acknowledge this seems to happen every time. Ryan knows that. Never fails. Right? Never fails. <laughs> Between writing it and publishing it, markets seem to move a lot and, and make the um, message a little bit um, challenging here. And so that's happening again. That's not a lot of upside. We would not be surprised, you know, because the SP is over 4,300 now. We would not be surprised if stocks ran above this forecast range of 4,400 to 4,450 but then potentially pulled back later in the year as, again, some of these risks uh, around the Fed, inflation, possible higher interest rates, uh, potentially cause um, more volatility. So um, that doesn't mean we won't raise that forecast, um, it, but it does not um, really 
afford a ton of upside um, from here. Now, um, you know, real quick, valuations are a concern among some, but we're still in the camp that um, interest rates are low enough, even if they rise a little bit, still low enough to support valuations. So comfortable with that forecast, even with, you know, price to earnings ratios on the S&P 500 in the range of 21 times. Yeah, I saw a note just this morning, Jeff, that, you know, again, the S&P is up, we'll call it 16% for the year, but earnings estimates for 2021 are up like 21%, all right? So earnings estimates are actually up more from the start of the year to now than um, than, than the S&P 500 is. So yes, stocks were pricey at the start of this year. They're actually a little bit cheaper now, the way the P multiple works when the earnings part goes up more than the, the price part. But um, you know, it's just amazing. I think a lot of that's justifying, if you will, uh, the, the incredible earnings growth that we're, that we're seeing. And by the way, Jeff, you put together a really good piece this week in our weekly market commentary. I almost feel bad we do a weekly market commentary the day before we release our outlook, which is kind of the way it shook out this year. But you you took a look at um, second quarter earnings, which could, could come in potentially up around 70, 75% year over year to be the best quarter since the fourth quarter of 2009. And uh, the last couple of earnings seasons, we're going to talk a lot more about earnings season probably next week and the weeks going forward. But it's just been really, really strong how strong corporate America has done, again, justifying where stocks really are. So Jeff, one of the other things we talked a lot about on this podcast, it's year two of a bull market. Every single year, two of bull markets since World War II, stocks have been higher. I mean, that's the key concept I think I've been trying to point out since March, right? We had year two. Year two is early. Year two is usually strong, um, but they're not all strong, but you're usually higher when all is said and done. You want to kind of build on some of those concepts? Yeah, average year two bull market gain, 13%. <clears throat> now, the, remember the second year of the bull market started in March, mm-hmm. not January 1st, right? So, you know, we've gotten about half of that and we still think there's a little more upside uh, to go from here to hit that average. Um, However, you know, 2009, the bounce was bigger. Uh, We actually wouldn't be surprised if in the end we did a little bit better than that 13% in year two, but we certainly got a lot more stimulus uh, than we did back then. Um, We've talked a lot about that here. Uh, and then, um, you know, again, we mentioned the earnings ramp. You'll see a slide of the earnings I think we have in here next. Um, just uh, we think enough to support maybe even a little bit better year two of the bull uh, than the long term average. Okay, let's go to that slide. So, again, we are sharing it. Um, these, I mean, it's funny, like, funny, funny is the right word, but you wait about, you wait about two weeks and all these numbers are a lot higher. <laughs> feels like every couple of weeks we might cite a number. Oh, earnings are going to be up 10%. A couple of weeks later now it's 20%. It's just amazing. But Jeff, tell me a little bit about earnings. You have hinted at some of this, just how strong they're looking at this year and in the next year. Yeah. I mean, the, the growth, I mean, we're coming off of a lockdown quarter Q2 2020. So it's no surprise. We're seeing a lot of growth in earnings right now, but what's, surprising is just how big the positive revision has been, right? You just alluded to it. The fact that we're seeing, you know, earnings expectations go up seemingly 10 bucks every quarter, which is a lot, despite the fact that tax increases are coming. Even 2022, almost certainly tax increases are coming. 2022 earnings are are going up uh, pretty steadily as well, which is really um, remarkable. So great growth and great momentum. Uh, and frankly, it's probably not over. Still probably a little bit of upside uh, from here to consensus estimates, uh, both this quarter and, and next quarter as companies give guidance. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe let's dive in just for a second here, because this is more the outlook, but we're going to a little more specific on the second quarter. Uh, where are some of the earnings coming from, Jeff, in this huge second quarter of earnings season that's expected? What, what, what sectors are going to be the biggest bounces, I guess? Yeah, it's going to be similar to last quarter. It's the, the companies that were hit hardest by the pandemic are rebounding the strongest as the economy reopens. So things like airlines, hotels, companies related to leisure, uh, to some extent, restaurants, right? Live entertainment. Um, and then, you know, so that's one group. And then you've also got the industrials, materials, and energy complex. Because remember, you know, in the futures markets a year ago, energy or oil prices were negative, <laughs> right? In Q2 point. of 2020, it's just yeah. still hard to believe. Uh, so there's just massive earnings improvement in natural resources and in industrial companies in addition to the, um, you know, those industries that I mentioned that everybody talks about. Yeah, amazing. That's true. I mean, I think it was negative 38 bucks a barrel, I think, I think is what uh, crude oil went down to there. I think it was April, I think of 2020. Um, now flirting with, you know, up over $70 a barrel right now. So just truly amazing, uh, the move in oil. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, so earnings continue to justify um, the upside to, to equities and likely continue to upside. But again, been a long time since we had even a 5% correction after more than a 90% rally. Year two historically can be a little troublesome. Remember Scott Brown came on, I guess it have been two weeks ago and talked about some technical things we were looking at again year two. And Scott just pointed out, listen, market's strong, no doubt about it, but we're not really quite seeing as much participation all of a sudden with as many stocks making 52-week highs or as many stocks going, going up with the market. That's not end of world stuff but it is consistent with maybe a little more choppiness or outright you know, five to 8% correction sometime in the historically troublesome August, September, October months. We'll talk more about that going forward. But again, we would use it as an opportunity to um, buy at cheaper prices for what likely is a continued bull market. So Jeff, we're gonna finish things up with bonds. We say uh, safety features. We've got a nice picture of a, a, a safety belt there. Um, and, and you know, I like to say it like this, right? We came into this year, we said bonds will probably be about flat, Stocks will hit maybe double digits. Well, it's been super size where most bonds are actually down a little bit on this year. One of the horrible first quarter for treasuries came back a little bit on a surprise move lower in yields lately. Um, we still forecast higher yields, which I'll let you talk about in a second, Jeff. But I say bonds do a job of keeping you in your stocks. What's one of the best ways in a major secular bull market to invest is to be in stocks, right? You want to have a little bit of bonds too, because when the rockiness comes, they help you stay in your stocks. You're just in 100% equity and you get a 10, 15% correction, maybe more if you're playing some more aggressive areas of the market, you might sell, all right? And, and we, we've seen it historically, the way our brains are wired, we tend to sell at the most... Um, you know, it's the worst time, I guess. And when you have a well-diversified portfolio with some bond exposure, um, that helps you kind of stay in. Uh, and again, staying in is the way to go uh, when it comes to investing more often than not. So Jeff, again, um, we, we forecast higher yields. Um, what's one of the reasons we potentially, well, there's a couple of reasons, but we'll, tell me some of the reasons we see higher yields, even though we've had a surprise move lower the last month or so. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start with stronger economic growth, which should push inflation expectations higher. That's certainly happening right now. Uh, the market hasn't reacted to that lately. You just mentioned it, right? Yields have moved a little bit lower here over the past several weeks. But our view of the, over this year is higher economic growth should push inflation expectations higher, which should translate into higher yields. Yeah, we have a 10-year um 
10-year yield, fo- yield forecast, where I'm trying to use. I actually said focus. And you know why I said that, Jeff? Because focus is our big annual event that we do with our more than 18,000 advisors. Historically, we travel to Boston or San Diego. It is virtual this year, much like last year. And we're going to uh, probably talk a little bit about that on the podcast going forward. But that's an early early August. So that's why I've got focus on my mind. But our 10-year forecast is between 175 and 2%. Um, you know, we've talked before, a lot of these industrial metals are, are strong. They pulled back. I did see uh, lumber. Again, don't quote me here. I read the headline. Lumber is actually like down for the year. Remember, lumber is going straight up, but sometimes things go up, they come back down. But a lot of these industrial metals have had a little bit of a pullback, but there's still a lot of strength there. Historically, a stronger industrial metal is your copper, nickel, zinc, a tin. I saw tin at an all-time high just yesterday. All right. I, I don't know how to buy tin. I don't even know what it's in, but apparently it's potentially something that could be another bullish sign for semiconductors, actually, is I guess tin apparently is in semiconductors. Didn't know that until yesterday. Um, but but still, these, these, these positive signs with the industrial metals likely could also lead to a higher 10-year yield. Uh, Jeff, I, I don't think we have a slide on it. Let's get into it. If the 10-year yield goes to, let's say, 2%, all right, which is a pretty big jump where we are now, how would you suggest uh, investing? You know, we're just saying overweight stocks relative to the bonds, but if we're talking a bond portfolio, what are some of the areas you think someone should invest in? Yeah, if, if rates rise, you want to have less interest rate sensitivity than the broad bond market. So that you know, points you to mortgages, uh, certainly low interest rate sensitivity there. Um, although, you know, all bonds are expensive pretty much. <laughs> so, you, you know, it's not too exciting um, to talk about some of these areas with low yields and with rising interest rates. Again, you might end up just flat, but still we like having those bonds as a diversifier in case you see stock market volatility. Uh, we wouldn't ditch core bonds, but just recognize that if rates rise, you're not going to get too much uh, in the way of return. And then, of course, you also want to focus on the intermediate part of the curve as opposed to the long-term bonds that you sometimes see with, um, you know, treasuries and corporates. Yeah, absolutely. I know Lawrence Gillum, our, our fixed income strategist on the team, he came on the podcast, I forget when, fairly recently, and, and he pointed that out, that, you know, listen, you still want to have core bonds, you maybe want to shorten up your duration a little bit, which are the things we've been doing in the models that we run for our LPL advisors and our clients, and our fixed income models had a pretty decent year so far, again, because we expected uh, potentially higher yields. Now, the truth is, if you look at the 10-year yield, it had a huge surge earlier this year, peaked out, I think it was March 31st, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was March 31st, about 175, kind of consolidated. Going going lower down when you 125 last Thursday. Uh, but you look back at history after some major lows in the 10-year yield, you get these initial surges off the lows, then a consolidation, a little sideways action, and then they likely can be bought for eventual higher prices. And that is again how we see it. So again, shorten up duration a little bit, mortgage-backed securities, uh, bank loans are things that aren't um, as impacted by higher trending yields. And there's some areas that we think uh, offer some opportunity, but again. The big opportunity is likely going to continue to be stocks over bonds. Uh, for the year, again, we think, you know, according to what Lawrence was saying, you know, Barclays Ag could be kind of flat for the year, give or take, maybe a little bit of upside after the really rough start that we saw. So, again, that's your core bond, um, core bond fund. I mean, Jeff, any final comments on bonds before we kind of put a bow on um, this podcast? 
Uh, no, I mean, you're asking an equity strategist for thoughts on bonds. So you're probably best <laughs> yeah. if I just shut up at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I will too. And we do have a really cool chart, um, a couple, a lot of cool charts, I hope, in, in our mid-year outlook. Uh, but one of them that, that we are sharing on a YouTube channel is just what happens when you have, how do I, let me sure I read this correctly, S&P 500 returns went down 3%. So you get a pretty big down month, right? S&P down 3% or more. What do bonds do? Well, not too surprisingly, historically, bonds are higher and in some cases significantly higher. So again, they help that create that diversification that you that you definitely want to have in your portfolios. Um, but again, just making, you know, to put it all back, we just think bonds um, still, you probably want to be underweight bonds a little bit relative to, uh, to stocks. That's something if you listen to this podcast for about a year now, <laughs> for even longer, we've been saying that we're still, uh, we're still in that camp. All right. So Jeff, we've got the finish. We call it the finish line, open roads ahead. Um, you know, any, any final comments from you and then I'll kind of bring us home. Yeah, just an exciting day again. Uh, Mid-year outlook is, is out really proud of it. Proud of the work of the team. I think I've done, about two dozen of these at LPL over the years now. And, uh, you know, everyone's still exciting. It, it really is. And I think this theme really works well. I, I think folks, if they try to communicate this to other people, will will find it really fits nicely because, uh, you know, when you pick up speed, that's great because the speed's exhilarating, but it can also be dangerous, right? And so we want to keep in mind that uh, if this economy grows too fast, there is the potential for a little bit of overheating. And, and bring it to my golf cart. My golf cart goes 26 miles an hour on a flat piece of land. All right, you fly it <laughs> along, everything's going great, but you hit a little bit of a hill. <laughs> and sometimes that can stop you cold too. So you gotta watch out for those hills out there as well, along with uh, too much speed. But yeah, I mean, Jeff, obviously it's been a really interesting year. Unfortunately for a lot of investors, a fairly lucrative year where, where bonds haven't done quite as well, but that's why you have some stocks and some bonds and some cash, maybe a little gold. If you're, if you're in or in or into that, just you know, diversified portfolio. We talked about globally. I mean, you know, we talked about developing international. Developing international finally is starting to, Try to take that baton. Oh, there's been some problems lately. We've talked about that before. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some real positive things, absolutely, that are happening considering where we were exactly one year ago today. So with all that, everybody, thanks for being here this week. Hopefully you appreciated um, this week's um, LPL Market Signals podcast as we talked again about our 2021 mid-year outlook. And Jeff and I will be back next week, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Fed and earnings a little bit more, get more back to normal. Uh, those are the things that are move, driving moving markets. But from a big picture point of view, we think um, we're speeding ahead, and there's still a lot of good times, a lot of good times coming. Getting all tongue twisted trying to say that. But guys, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index 
services are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.